Thank you, Lord. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me real quick to John 17, the Gospel of John chapter 17. This is referred to by many as the high priestly prayer. It's Jesus crying out to the Father. And uh, I, we're going to look at just a couple of sections of that this morning because the Lord's just been dealing with me about this all week, just re-emphasizing what he was doing there when he was praying, amen? And I've studied it before, I've, I've preached it before, but I'm seeing things that I've never seen. And, 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 uh, and I believe God wants to impart that to us this morning and, and uh, for us to be able to make room, increase our capacity for him. So Father, we just lift this portion of the service up to you, God. We don't want to be, uh, God, God, we want to just thank you for your presence. We don't want to be ungrateful and just rush through. Lord God, this time, Lord, we, we, we love your appearing. We're thankful for your presence here this morning. We thank you for Nathan's baptism, Lord God, and those that have been baptized in recent weeks. And God, we just ask that you would continue to move in this place, that you would speak into hearts and lives. God, that you would transform us God, that you would renew us and that you would fill us with your love, God, and with a fresh hope, God, that will carry us through the day that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. John chapter 17, we're going to begin in verse 1. It says, Jesus spoke these words. He lifted up his eyes towards heaven. Amen. The disciples were with him, and they were witnessing the, the way that Jesus was praying and what he was about to say. And so he lifted his eyes towards heaven, towards the Father, and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. Now, this was just literally hours before he would be before he would be crucified. And his prayer, first of all, was glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. It, 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 on the surface, it looks like he was looking for glory, but really what he was saying is, God, let me, let me receive the glory that brings glory to you. See, God wants us to have the glory of God operating in our lives, not for, for just our own benefit or our own identity or our own works or af approbation or favor, but he wants the glory of God in our lives, amen, to in turn bring glory to him, amen? amen? So he says, glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. He's talking about the authority that he had to give eternal life. He says, and this is eternal life. Notice God's definition of eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is in relationship. 
Amen. It begins just like Nathan when he gave his heart to the Lord and he was baptized. Amen. He stepped into eternal life. And then throughout our lives, God wants us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. He wants us to yield to the sanctification process, the growth process. Amen. How many of you know we're not supposed to get saved and then just try to hang on until Jesus comes? There's something for us to do. We've got design. We've got purpose. Amen. God desires to receive glory through the glory that he gives us when he saves us. Amen. And so he says here, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Remember, this is the, this is the last prayer that we have recorded here until the cross itself. He says, I've glorified you on the earth. I've finished the work which you've given me to do. Oh, wouldn't that be a testimony? Amen. When we stand before God one day and we give account for our lives, say, God, I I finished it. I did everything that I was born to do. Your design in my life was completed. Your purpose for my life was fulfilled. This is what Jesus was saying here. I've glorified you on the earth. I've finished the work which you've given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory that I had with you before the world was. I love this. The word became flesh. Jesus is eternal. He's referring to Jesus is the God man. He was fully God and he was fully man. Even when he was man, he 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 lay us he laid aside the the aspects of that deity and he and he humbled himself, took upon himself the form of a servant and became a man. Amen. And was totally dependent upon the Father, just like we're totally dependent on God. He subject himself to the same temptations. The same attacks of the enemy, the same ferocity. He walked where people were sick, where people were diseased, where people were blind, where people were deaf, where people were dying prematurely. And he demonstrated the power and the heart and the love of God in that he brought healing, he brought life, he brought restoration, he brought truth wherever he went. Amen. He was was revealing the heart of the Father, so much so that Paul said that in him, in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, everything that God is was represented bodily in Jesus Christ. Everything that he did was as he knew the heart of the Father, as he drew near to the heart of the Father. This is why he says, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. God wants us to deepen our relationship with him. Amen? How many of you know there's more? Have you ever met somebody casually? And, and, and they, they might have been a little bit quiet, and you thought they were nice and everything. Then you get to know them a little better, and you say, man, they really are nice. Then you get to know them better. You know, I'd like to hang out with them. I'd like to invite them over. I'd like to have a barbecue. I'd like to, amen? Well, well God wants us to, to, to be God chasers, amen? He wants us to know everything about him. He wants us actually to become one with him. We're going to get into that in just a moment. 
He said, I've glorified you on the earth. In other words, I've fulfilled my plan, your plan and purpose for my life in the incarnation, in the, in, in the coming. I've finished the work which you have given me to do. Now, this was before the crucifixion. So he's referring to everything up to the point of the crucifixion where it would be the culmination of all things. He says, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself. In other words, I want to come home with the glory which I had before the world was. Amen. God's bringing us from glory to glory, from faith to faith. How many of you know when we do go to heaven, the glory will be different than the glory we encounter here? Amen. And Jesus was longing for that. He said, Lord, restore me to the former glory. That which I had to lay down, that which I had to to lay aside because of the, the mandate and the purpose on my life to bring redemption to those that are hurting and broken. Amen. He said, I want, I, want that other, I want that glory restored. And then in verse 6, Jesus begins to pray for his disciples, those that are right there with him. He prays for them up to about verse 20. And then he begins to pray for us. And this is, this is what I want to focus on a little bit more here this morning. Jesus said in verse 20, 17 in verse 20, He says, I do not pray for these alone. In other words, the disciples that he was just praying for. I didn't take the time to read those, but if you read John 17, you'll know know what I'm talking about. I do not pray for these alone. In other words, the immediate disciples there, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. Down through the generations, as the gospel was preached, as the gospel was manifest, as the gospel was lived, Throughout the centuries, amen, people got saved, got passed on from generation to generation. The power of the gospel has not, has not diminished one bit, amen? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word has not diminished. And he said, those that believe through his name, <clears throat> pray for those, not, not only those that were there, but those who believe through their word, down through the centuries, that they all may be one. Now, notice the prayer here. Now, Jesus, if you were about to be crucified and you knew it, and you were about to leave those that you had just invested three years, three and a half years in your life, of your life into and imparted, amen, the nature and the the character and put on display, said, I faithful, Lord, I was faithful, Father, to do what you told me to do. Amen? I, I glorified you in the earth. In other words, Jesus, he, he, he did everything that was in the Father's heart. Now, he's going to leave those disciples. He's going to physically be leaving. Now, he's going to pour out his Holy Spirit, but he's going to physically be leaving. Life as they knew know it was going to change. And so he says, Lord, I pray that they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, if, if you were at the end of your life and you knew that this is the, the, the last things that, that they may hear, they would be important things. You wouldn't be talking about the score of the Red Sox game or who's... The Patriots picked up this year, or, or what your favorite food is. I mean, if you knew this was it, amen, you're, go, you're going to be praying, you're going to be asking the Father uh, for, for the thing that's, that's just weighing mostly on your heart. 
And so he begins to pray and he says that they all may be one. That word means to be to be a, a union, united. Oneness isn't just like a shoulder to shoulder. This isn't, he's talking about more than that. When, when you, you've got the Trinity, you've got the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Three in one. This is the kind of oneness he's talking about. So unified, so united that you have the same vision, you have the same purpose, you have the same action. You're catching the activity of heaven and you're putting it on display in the earth. You're listening to the Father's heart. You're hearing the Father's heart. You're, you're seeing what God's doing. Amen. And you're responding in obedience to those around you, ministering. Amen. The heart of the Father to those that are hurting, those that are broken. He says that they may be one. And now he raises the bar. He's not... He's not just talking about, you know, people getting together and getting along. He says that they may be one. We might be so united, have such a union as you, Father, are in me. That's the standard. The Father and Son, amen, inseparable union, inseparable union there. As you, Father, are in me and I in you. He says, I want them to encounter this union and this oneness that we live in. That they also may be one in us. He's included us. Amen. His heart was to include us in that intimate relationship with the Father. To include us in that intimate relationship with, it, with, with himself. And I want to show you, this is really where... Answers to prayer come. This is really where the miraculous is released. This is really where, where, the, where the supernatural power and authority of God is activated and released and displayed in and through a life. It's through this union. It's through this oneness. It's through this relationship, this intimacy with God. Now, we're talking about the highest level of functioning in the Holy Spirit. He said that they may be one in us. Why? That the world may believe that you sent me. You see, from this relationship, from this intimacy, from this oneness, the world will set up and take notice. Why? Because when, when the love of many grows cold because iniquity abounds, we're loving. When people are without hope and they're hopeless, we bring hope. We're dispensers of hope. When people are bound by fear and depression and oppression, amen, we, 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 we see that fear broken over their life, the depression broken over their life, the oppression broken over their life. We see the power of God manifested in and through our lives for the glory of God. Amen? Daniel put it this way. He goes, in the last days, he goes, there'll be people that will know their God and do great exploits. It's from the knowing that flows the exploits. It's from the intimacy. That's what makes, that's what makes God uh, uh, positions us to be able to be trusted with this level of authority or power. Otherwise, it would destroy us. We'd be prideful. We'd be arrogant. We'd say, look at me. God isn't going to share his glory with anyone. Amen? And so he says, listen, that the world may believe that you sent me. Now, that word one, when he says <clears throat> that they also may be one, talking about that union, that word one means the indwelling spirit of the Father and Son 
is the one perfect bond of union knitting up into the, a living unity, first of all believers amongst themselves, next the unity, the unity into one still higher with the Father and with the Son. In other words, the power of the Holy Spirit when it comes upon us, one of its functions, one of its main functions is to make us so one with the Father, so united, create access. That's how we hear the voice of God. That's how we draw near and, and, and we recognize the heart of God and, and the purpose of God, being sensitive to His Holy Spirit. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory, amen, by His Spirit. He had to physically leave but he poured out his spirit upon all flesh. Those that believe. And that spirit will testify of him, will reveal him to all of us. Amen. And as that revelation comes, we grow in our faith. We grow in our purpose. We understand our significance. We understand. Do you know every one of you is significant this morning? The enemy wants to beat us up and tell us we have no identity. We're not important. We're just taking up space. Nobody cares about us. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I guess I'll go eat worms. You know, we, we start singing that theme song. Well, you are loved this morning. Well, you don't know my background. You don't know how I was treated. I wasn't treated like I was loved. I was abused. I was, that doesn't, God loves you. He won't abuse you. <clears throat> he won't mistreat you. I, you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You are loved, but you don't know what I did. doesn't matter. God loves you. He'll clean us up when we come to him. Amen? You know, a lot of people don't come to God because they don't feel like they're lovable. Why would God ever love me? I'm such a mess. And so I'm not going to go, people, you know, I'm not going to go to church. The, 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 the roof will fall down. I said, we got good trusses in there. Give it a try. <laughs> Amen? We, we, we specifically bought good trusses. It, it takes Maine winters. If it falls down, I won't let you come back. <laughs> but just give it a try. Amen. It's amazing what people say, but, it, but really what it is is an expression of their heart that they don't feel worthy. They don't feel, they think something bad's going to happen to them if I go into a, a church. They look at the church building as some holy place. No, that's just a building to get out of the weather. Amen. Amen. I'm glad today we can get out of the weather. Amen. It, it's just to get, we're the church. We're where God lives. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. God's desiring to bring us into that union, into that oneness where we're knit together. It's really hard to find words in the English language to the level of unity, union, and oneness that God's talking about here. It really is. It has to come by revelation. Down in verse 22, it says, And the glory which you gave me I've given them, that they may be one just as we are one. The purpose of the glory of God in our lives is toward that oneness, and it's to be dispensed to others around us. Amen. God says, listen, the glory that you gave me I've given them. That they may be one, we might be union, united, 
one, just as we are one. Notice how he always refers to him and the Father when he talks about oneness or when he talks about love. You're going to see he's, he's saying, listen, not just that we be one, that we get along, we agree on some things. He goes, no, the same kind of oneness that I have with my Father. This is what he's given us. This is what he's longing for. This is what he wants in and through our lives. That same kind of intimacy that he had with the Father. That same kind of relationship that he had with the Father. He says, just as we are one. He said that they may be one just as we are one. In verse 23, I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. What did he say? Now now he's saying, I in them just like he's in the Father, and you're in me, so they're in us, <laughs> okay? He says that they may be made perfect in one. He's talking about a perfected oneness that totally reveals unequivocally the heart and the nature and the character of God. <laughs> and you're thinking just like I did when, I, when God was showing me this. I can tell by how quiet it is in here now. You're thinking, man, that is so far down range. I can't wrap my mind around it. It's good that you recognize that. Now start running down range. Amen. Just keep moving towards it. That's what I'm doing. Amen. I'm seeing it like I've never seen it before. Why does God show us things that we, like we've never seen before? Because he wants it to be ours. He wants that word to become flesh in us. He wants that word to become a living reality. And he said, listen, the glory that you gave me, I've given them, that they may be me one just as we are one. I in them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. Everybody say perfect. perfect. Amen. God says, I'm, I want to perfect this oneness in you. That we may be perfect in one. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have, what? Love me. Do you know the Father loves you as much as the Son? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Jesus didn't do anything independent of the Father. So everything that you read about Jesus, everything that you see and you encounter in him, it's the same as the Father. The Father's heart, His plan towards us. You have loved them as you have loved me. God loves us the same as He loves Jesus. I'm going to say that again. God loves you as much as He does Jesus. I mean, this is what it says. I, I, I didn't make this up because I wanted to feel better. This is, this is the word of God, amen? The amen of heaven's on it. You've loved them as you have loved me. You, you'll never be able to wrap your mind around that. But God will reveal it to your heart and to your spirit. Verse 24, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Jesus knew he was about to be crucified. 
He said, I, I, I want to take them with me. What is he saying? He wants us to live from heaven to earth. That's how he lived. From the Father to the earth. Amen? From heaven to earth. That's how, how God lived. He said, Father, he said, I, 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 want, I want them to be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundations of the world. Now, this is some heavy stuff. This is the heart of God. This is, this is what he's pouring out before his death. Some of the last words they'll hear him pray. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. In verse 26, and I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love, listen to this, with which you love me may be in them. And I in them. You know what God's praying here for you? What he's praying for me? That the same love that was in the Father for the Son and for us would be in us for them. In other words, that we would have the capacity to fully respond in the same magnitude that God loves us. I've declared to them your name and will declare it. And the love with which you loved me may be in them. Same love that the Father had for the Son would be in us and I in them. Now we're going to see why love is so important. Why this unity, why this union, why this relationship, why intimacy is so important. We're going to turn to John 15. This is just a few hours before this account. This is still all at the end of his life, just a short time before his crucifixion. In John 15, in verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. Everybody say true vine. vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Amen. He was talking to Jewish people here. He's talking to Hebrews and and, and they knew the scripture. And in Psalm 80, you, you don't have to turn to it, but in Psalm 80 in verse 8, it says, you have brought a vine out of Egypt. You have cast out the nations and planted it. Talking about bringing them out of bondage, out of Egypt, amen, and planting them in the promised land. He said, you prepared room for it. You caused it to take deep root and you filled the land. The hills were covered with its shadow, amen, and the mighty cedars with its burrows, She sent out her burrows to the sea and her branches to the river. Why have you broken down her hedges so that all who pass by may pluck at her fruit? The boar out of the woods uproots it, and the wild beasts of the field devour it. Return, we beseech you, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see and visit this vine, the vineyard which your right hand has planted, and the branch that you had made strong for yourself. 
It is burned with fire. It is cut down. They perish at the rebuke of your countenance. He said, listen, I brought this vine out of Egypt. It filled the land. Amen. It's burrows. It went deep. It was filling and influencing the culture all around. They were taking the land, taking possession. They rebelled. They began to sin. And then the enemies, uh, God lifted his favor on them in sin. He couldn't abide there. And the enemies, they began to reap what they sowed and began to be defeated by the enemy. And then they're begging him again, God, return to this vine. Visit this vine. And now Jesus comes on the scene later, thousands of years later, about a thousand years later, and he says, I'm the true vine. Wasn't Israel, wasn't being brought out of Egypt. He goes, I'm the true vine. And this vine is, is representing for all, all, all humanity. He said, and my father is the vine dresser. And in verse 2, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Amen. We got two options, being in the vine. We bear fruit. Amen. We get pruned. We don't bear fruit. We get cut off. God's looking for fruit. Amen. There's no middle ground here. God, God is looking and his expectation is for fruit. He said, you are already clean because of the words which I've spoken to you. Now look at verse 4. Abide in me. Remember that oneness I talked about. Amen, that union. He said, abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Amen, he's using things that we understand. He's using, he's giving us a word picture here. The Israel was familiar with the vine. He was they were familiar with, the, with, with uh, the lack of success, how they didn't follow God. They were familiar, and they were desperate. And Jesus said, now, no, now I'm the true vine, and what's going to come off me is eternal. It will be fruit. If there's no fruit, it gets cut off. We're going to keep this vine healthy. See? We're not going to let anything suck life out of it and not be productive. The life that flows from this vine will bring forth fruit. So he says, abide in me. A branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. That word abide means to stay in a given place, state, or relation, or ex expectation. To stay in a given state, place, amen, or relation, or expectancy means to continue, to dwell, to endure, to be present, remain, stand, and tarry. In other words, that once you abide in the vine, you're not intended to go anywhere else. To stay in that state, to stay in that given place, to stay in that given expectation and expectancy. Amen. And, and, and let the life flow of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, flow through that vine, therefore get, increasing our capacity to bear fruit. Now, verse 5, in case we're confused, he says, I'm the vine. Remember, he said, I'm the true vine. He said, I am the vine and you're the branches. He doesn't want us to think we're the vine. Amen? He goes, I'm the vine. You're not the source of life. You're not the source of joy. You're not the source of all the good gifts and perfect gifts that the Father has. He said, I am. I'm the vine. You're the branches. He who abides in me, that oneness, 
and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Amen. In other words, it can be nothing of any eternal value, nothing of any kingdom reality, nothing of any kingdom authority or power can be done apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, apart from that relationship, apart from that intimacy, apart from that union, the abiding presence of God in our lives and us in him and him in us. Amen. He said, without me, you can do nothing. He's not talking about, uh, you know, I'm the... Bra- I- I'm the vine, you're the branches, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me you can do that. He's not just talking about how much we know. He, he, he's talking about who we know. He's not talking about an accumulation of head knowledge. He's talking about encounters. <laughs> encounters with God. A union, a union. You know God loves you so much, man, he just wants a relationship with you. And in that relationship, it will be as natural as you growing in, with, the, with the lineage of the family that you come. It'll be, it'll be as natural as that for you to take on the nature and the character of God and display it through that relationship. If anyone does not abide in me, in verse 6, he is cast off as a branch, he is withered. They gather them, they throw them in the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me, that isn't a very good place, by the way. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there, but you don't want to get cut off as a branch. Amen? He says, if you abide in me, listen to this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Man, that's dangerous for God to say that. Ask whatever you want, it'll be done for you. How, how can he say that? There's a qualifier. If you abide in me, we're one, unified, the heart of the Father being revealed, intimacy, intimate relationship with God. So when he loves, we love. Amen. He, he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, Then you'll ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You want more answered prayer? I do. I mean, I've had a lot of prayers answered. And I've had a lot more than I'm expecting. But there's one thing that I've noticed, whether it be altar ministry or anything. When God has spoken to me, I want you to pray this for this person. It's never not happened. Because at that moment, I caught a glimpse of the Father's heart. And that word abode in me. And I went, and, and you do it, and it happens. If God speaks to you through a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, and, and, and you go by somebody, and, and God tells you to tell them something, that may be the key that will loose them. And you go over and you tell them things and they'll say, how did you know that? I never told you that. Immediately they know that, that this is a supernatural encounter and that, there, that, that there's got to be God filling in the blanks. 
You abide in me and my words abide in you. You'll ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. In other words, he's saying, I want you to have such an intimate relationship with, with me, to be, to be so close to me, to be so one with me, where we're sharing heart to heart every moment of every day so that everything that you ask is a reflection of my heart. The amen of heaven's on it and I'll do it. Because we're only asking for the things that we're, we're, we're catching glimpses of from that intimacy and that relationship with him. Amen? You want to you see the, 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 the prayer average go up of answer to prayer? Let it start with him. See, most of the time, we have a big laundry list. We, we survey our circumstance. We go to God, and we begin to cry out and ask God, God, will you do this? God, will you provide that? God, so-and-so is in trouble. God, was this? And, and, if, and that's one way to pray, and that's good. But I'm talking about a higher level. Sometimes we hit it, sometimes we don't with that. God's not going to do what he don't want to do. Amen? But, but when, you're, when it starts from the heart of the Father, when it starts from relationship, not need, do you think God knows the needs? When that need is made manifest from the Father to you, that means he wants to use you and help meeting that need. Amen? I remember one time, I mean, I, I would spend an hour or two hours in prayer, and I would do 95% of the talking. Why God put up with me, I don't know. I mean, I had a long list. And they were genuine. I mean, it, it wasn't I was praying for bad stuff. I had a long list. And, and God, in His great mercy and grace, answered a lot of them. But one day, God said, can you sit still in my presence? I knew what he meant. He wanted to know if I could listen. And so he said, I want you to go on your prayer walk and not say anything. It was a five-mile prayer walk. Do you know how hard it is for a preacher to not say anything? <laughs> and after all, God, I'm talking to you. That was the longest walk of my life. But about halfway through, God began to drop things in my spirit. And I knew what he meant. I began to understand things about his nature and his character, about his word that I'd never seen before. Fresh revelation began to come. When we got done that walk... And I went out another day, and I said, can I talk now? And uh, he said, I only want you to pray in the Spirit. Don't pray in English. Now, well, that's better than not saying anything. <laughs> so that's what I did. And while I was doing that, God began to drop things in. Amen? See, God... So much of the church, they view God as like a divine Santa Claus. You bring your Christmas list and say, God, you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do that. God says, man, I want to show you my heart. I want you to know how much I love you. 
I want you to know how much I love everybody around you. I, I want you to know that I have good gifts and perfect gifts. I want you to know that I want my life and my character and my peace and my joy to be a part of your experience. And I want you to be dispensers of that wherever you go. I want you to know that when someone's sick and diseased, I, I, I want to I be a laborer together with you in bringing their healing in life. Ask what you will. Why? Because it's his will. <laughs> Your hearts are united. You're one. You're unified. You never have to wonder if something God speaks into your heart will be answered. Verse 8. Now listen to this. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So will you be my disciples. What is the fruit he's referring to? The answers to prayer. I know Galatians says love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, you know, faith. That, that, that's true. But what, what he's saying here is when you know me intimately, that becomes your nature and character. That's what, that is the byproduct of, of knowing me and being filled with the Holy Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit will be manifest in your life. That's, that's who's in there. What's in there will come out. Amen? And, but he, he's calling us to a level of intimacy here and oneness here. Where, where he says, listen, this is what glorifies my Father, that my heart is revealed to you and through you and manifests wherever you go. I mean, I've seen this happen when you're not even sharing anything, you're not even saying anything, and people say, what? You're different. I didn't notice anything different, but they did. And I've had people react negatively that had spiritual issues. Take off. <coughs> By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So will you be my disciples. Now he's, he, he, he's saying this is the, the evidence, the manifestation of true discipleship. Be so intimate with God, so one with God, so abiding in God, and His Word abiding in you that you're bearing fruit. That you're reflecting that glory. You're reflecting His life wherever you go. Same with me. He says, now listen to verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus is passing on what He got from the Father. It gets better. Down in verse 10, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in, in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in His love. Now, what's the commandment that he's referring to? Are we under the law? Are we under the Ten Commandments? Nope. Stay with me. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy might be full. Amen. How many did you like that? Amen. That my joy may remain in you and that your joy would be full. In other words, his joy overpowers our joy and brings it to the, the ultimate potential in our life. This, this is a good day to have joy. 
the culture that we live in, all the things that are going on in the earth, all the attacks of the enemy, all the sicknesses, all the diseases, amen. Can you imagine just having joy? That's a God thing. It comes from knowing God. It, it, it flows from that relationship. He said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I've spoken these things that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. He said, I've loved you just like the Father. Now I want you to love others just like I loved you. He wants us to pass on that love. Amen? This isn't a Hollywood kind of love, by the way. This isn't a love with people you like to hang with. This isn't a love just for family members. It isn't just a love for people you get along with and you, and you like to have. No, this is a love that will enable you to love your enemies. Amen. This is, this is a love where you can see past the depravity that, that people are in or, 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 or trapped in, and you can, you can be moved with compassion for them and ask the Lord to break those strongholds over their life, not just avoid them. Amen? This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. The abiding presence of God will manifest through love. That oneness will manifest the, lo the, the love of God. Why? God is love. That's what it says. First John, God is love. Then he says, this commandment that you love one another as I have loved you, greater love as no man than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now Jesus is going to take this to another level. Greater love has this, and no, no man has than this, than in one lay down his life for his friends. He's not just talking about dying for him. He's talking about daily. Elevating others over ourselves. Lifting the need of others over ourselves for the glory of God. Being sensitive to the needs of others. Amen? Greater love has no one than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. You know Jesus called you a friend this morning? That's, that's huge. The, the, friendship is important in a body, in a body, in, in a church. Friendship's important. Don't, don't be isolated. Man, make some friends. Find somebody that you can connect with. It's essential to relationships. He said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. What did he command us? To love one another. We start moving in love. God says that, that, that friendship, that intimacy through friendship is released in your life. I no longer call you servants. See, he's elevating this. This is toward the end of his life. He's telling his disciples. They've been with him. They've been trained. They've been commissioned. They've been commanded. He said, I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I've made known to you. In other words, the revelation that Jesus had of the heart of the Father, he revealed to them. Friends shared the most intimate details of their life. 
when you won't share with anybody else. Amen? You'll share with a friend. Jesus said, I call you friends because I have withheld nothing that the Father has shown me or wanted to do through me for your benefit. I manifested it all for the glory of God. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, ordained us, that we should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you. There it is again. You've been appointed. You've been ordained. You've been commissioned. I've been commissioned, appointed, ordained to go and bear fruit. And that fruit is to remain, and it's kingdom fruit, it's eternal fruit. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, I'll give you. That intimacy, that oneness, again, tapping into the heart of the Father. And, and, and so that the word that's abiding in us, and, and, and through that relationship with the Father, amen, we, we, we can ask, and we can ask in confidence because we know that it's God's heart, and he's partnering with us to release that into the earth. These things I command you, this is how he ends it, that you love one another. You know, he said, they came to Jesus, they asked him what the great commandment was. He said, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor is yourself. He said, on these hang all the law and the prophets. That's why we don't have to keep going through the law and the prophets anymore. We get this one done, we'll fulfill them. Amen? And this is from the inside out, not the outside in. I'll close with this. Acts 10.38 said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, this is the Father anointing the Son, Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Amen. I love this. God anointed him. Because of the oneness, because of the love that they shared, because of the intimacy he had with the Father, because of that closeness, amen, that friendship that he had, he said he was anointed with the Holy Spirit in power and went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. One of the reasons Jesus came was to deliver people from all the devil's oppression, whether it be through sickness, whether it be through disease, whether it be through sin, whether it be through depression, oppression, anything that you can tag, amen, that doesn't represent life and life more abundantly is from the pit. And Jesus came to destroy it all. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all. Everybody say all. All All who were oppressed of the devil. Listen to this. For God was with him. He didn't do it independently. He didn't do it because it was a cool thing to do. Amen. He was marching to the heartbeat of the Father. And God says, that same love that I have for the Father, I have for you. That same love, Jesus said, that I have 
uh, 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 that the Father has for me, he has for you. That oneness that we enjoyed when I walked this earth and I only did what I saw the Father do, I only spoke what I heard him speak, the revelation of the heart of the Father that I have, I got that, that's available for you. That abiding presence of God, that intimacy that we can enjoy, he said, that's yours. Therefore, the fruit that emanated from my life, this is what Jesus is saying, the fruit that came from my life that flowed from that relationship with the Father, that same fruit should be flowing through yours. Motivated by the same love that carried me to a place where I'll call you friends. And I'll deposit in you what the Father deposited in me by my Holy Spirit. That means the impact that Jesus had, he wants us to have. I mean, think about it. It's available. These were some of the last things that Jesus taught before he left the earth. Do you think they're important? Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. In essence, what he's saying, without me you can do nothing, but all things are possible with me. All things are possible. Man, I just, I just feel like God's raising the bar in my life and in this church and presenting fresh challenges with fresh revelation. And, you know, he, he, in every, really, in every area of the kingdom, Prayer. The church is good at having prayer meetings. But praying from the heart of God's different. Not that prayer meetings are bad. I highly recommend we attend them. Amen. But when, when, our, when, our, when we realize our design and our purpose is to know the heart of God, to be one with Him, to abide in Him. Now that's relational. It's prayer from relationship, not from need. Amen? When we fast, I think I've said it recently, you know, Jesus fasted into a lifestyle. Anything else is a hunger strike. <laughs> God, I'm not going to eat until you do this. And I think God in his mercy, he blesses us sometimes when we do that. But man, if we're saying, God, I'm more hungry for what I don't see than what I do see. So God, I'm going to spend some time fasting, open the eyes of my understanding. I want to spend some, I'm going to deny some of the pleasures of this world because God, I got to have it from your world. I got to have it from your perspective. 
Amen. That's what God's calling us to do. God wants to bless. God wants to reveal his love to us and through us. And he wants to know the potential that we have in him. Amen? Let's stand together this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate your patience here today. We had a lot going on, and, and uh, God moved. And I don't, I don't like to cut worship shot, uh, short when God's moving. And, and so I'd like to have the worship ministry come back down. And we're going to close in prayer. And if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know the Lord, you've never given your heart to the Lord, amen. You're not, you're not here by uh, coincidence this morning. God's, God's reaching out to you in love. Man, God loves you, and he wants to reveal himself to you. So if that's you this morning uh, as we close worshiping the Lord, and you want to you wanna know what this stuff is that we're talking about, and you want to encounter the presence of God in your life. Hey, I just want you to come down. Somebody will be glad to minister to you. We have a team here that will come down and minister to you and, and pray with you. And if anybody uh, is sick or afflicted or anybody needs special prayer, now this isn't for counseling. We set up point appointments for that. But if you need special prayer for any reason, then uh, please feel free to come down. We want, we want to pray with you. Amen? Well, let's pray. Let's ask God to seal this message to our hearts, to continue to reveal to us the truth that's been spoken today and increase our capacity to be able to receive it and begin to move in its reality. Amen? Does that sound good? If you want some of this that's been spoken today and you, and, and you, want, you want this to be where you live, amen, an expression of your life, just lift your hands and your hearts toward heaven this morning, and we'll close in prayer. Father, we just come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. And God, I realize, Lord God, there, there, there's so much more in you. And God, I pray this morning that you would specifically give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation concerning being one with you and abiding in you. Lord, you said, he that abides in the secret place of the Most High, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. God, in Psalm 91, it lists all the protective attributes of our God. God, we want to find ourselves in the secret place. God, we want to find ourselves abiding in you. God, we want a revelation, and we want, to, we want to be able to connect with your truth, God, in such a way that we realize that we're loved with an everlasting love, that you love us like you loved your son. God, that, that you, you're one with us like you was one with your son. And Lord, that, that, that we're one with you as you were with the Father, that, you, that, that we're loved by you as you love the Father. God, we're asking that you would remove the distance God, that you would remove the, the, the natural, uh, uh, God, the, our natural thinking that would, that would limit us from entering into the fullness of what you're speaking this morning. Father, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to grip our hearts. And God, I pray for each and every one that's here today to encounter the power of your love. And God, find release and freedom in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. You got one more.